Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Jonathan Mikesell. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning in person. And as Becca said, those of you who are joining us online, welcome. It's always interesting to recognize how our view of what is important changes as we get older. And I recognize even by making that statement, I'm giving my age away a little bit, but you know, it it does change as we get older. When you're a child, this time of year is one of the most exciting times of the year. You can't wait until the morning of December 25th to see what the presents are that are under the tree or to see what kinds of gifts you might get. It's all about the presents. It's all about the stuff that you're going to get, and you can't wait for that to happen. Then somewhere, your teen years maybe, um, that changes a little bit. You're still excited about Christmas morning. The the gifts are a little bit different. They are often a little more expensive and a little bit bigger. Um, But you also start to look for other things that are exciting and that are filling up your life. You're beginning to kind of climb that ladder of life. And so in addition to those bigger toys, you start to look for the career that might lie ahead, the spouse that might be in your future, the opportunities that lay before you. And it looks like the, the world is all in front of you. There's nothing but, but future and optimism and hope. And it's all just you can't wait to get wherever it is that you're going. And oftentimes during this time, there's this, you begin to have that, that separation from your parents, your grandparents, um, you know, you don't, you don't even think about it. You just want to spend time with your friends. You want to spend time climbing that ladder of life. And then at least in my case, somewhere when my kids started to get to that stage, when they started to get to the point where they began to show some independence, around that time, um, all of my grandparents had died. Uh, as I looked at my, my own parents, I saw that they were not, didn't quite have the same energy level that they used to have. And it began to dawn on me that these things that were in front of me, this future that was in front of me, all these things that were in front of me, that I thought would last forever, it it really wouldn't. And it began to really sink in that it's those relationships. It's spending time with people, particularly people that are the most important in our lives, that that can be such a significant part of who we are and of our lives. Relationships, spending time, being in the presence of others is such a gift and is so, so important. And that realization brings us this morning to our second Sunday of Advent as we think about these names of Jesus. And as we come to the next name in this series, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. It's it's something we say every year at this time, but do we really let it sink in? God is with us. This morning, we're going to think about that significance together. We're going to recognize the importance both 2,000 years ago of God being with us and today God being with us. And we're going to look at that in the context of a couple of different particular sets of circumstances in our lives. But to set that stage, we're going to read this passage from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, that talks about this name, Emmanuel, God with us, beginning with verse 18. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph— But before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Hear that verse 23 one more time. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. We say that name, we hear that name, but what does it mean? What difference does it make that God is with us? Why should we care that God is with us? There's an interesting juxtaposition here. There's, There's really two ways in which God is with us, as I mentioned a moment ago. God is with us meant the physical presence of Jesus in this world, living and working as a human being, experiencing the many facets of life here on planet Earth 2,000 years ago. Part of what it means for God to be with us was Jesus, God in human form, coming to this world. And precisely because Jesus experienced life on this world, he can relate to the situations and circumstances of our lives. And precisely because he returned to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide and to empower us, God is with us this day, today as well. What does it look like? How do we see this both 2,000 years ago and today? We're going to take a look at a couple of those ways. One of the ways in which God is with us is in the midst of suffering, pain, and death. Jesus certainly knew what that was like. Jesus certainly recognized and experienced suffering and pain and death throughout his life. One of the most dramatic of those is found in John chapter 11, where we hear about the death of Jesus' friend Lazarus. We read these words. When Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is just one example of Jesus experiencing the pain of death of his friend. He experienced sharing in the grief with the family of Lazarus. This was no mere theoretical thought experiment for Jesus. It was a real life experience of experiencing and knowing the grief that is real in this world. 
And this isn't the only time we see this in Scripture. He agonized in the garden the night before his crucifixion, pleading that the task would be taken away from him. He experienced the brutal physical pain of death on a cross. Jesus knew what it was like to experience emotional and physical pain during his time in this world. And part of being Emmanuel, part of being God with us, was Jesus experiencing the pain of life on planet Earth. And precisely because he's experienced that pain, Jesus brings comfort to us today. To us when we experience pain and suffering and even death in life. Are you going into that hospital room knowing that there are no family or friends who are going with you? God is with you. Are are you experiencing the death of a spouse or a child, recognizing that as much as they want, your friends and family can't quite understand? God is with you. Do the circumstances of life seem to be too big to overcome and to fix? God is with you. He's, and here's the thing, sometimes, sometimes God's presence, sometimes God's presence in the midst of those troubling and difficult times, sometimes God's presence points us to that eternal hope, that time when, when those situations and circumstances will go away. It's, it's described to us in Revelation 21 like this, see the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Sometimes, sometimes God works in the circumstances of our life to either take them away in the, in the present or to point us to that time in the future when they were, the ultimate reality of this world will be that there will be no more crying or sorrow or pain. Sometimes. More often than that, God chooses to allow us to endure that difficulty. And that's probably the worst scenario we can imagine. That's probably the worst case in any of these situations. But it's also precisely during that time of difficulty that we recognize God is with us, perhaps the most. We can't get ourselves out of that trauma of life. And that's no more apparent than when we come to our end of our ability or are forced to be completely and utterly Dependent on God. Here's the thing. Here's the truth and the good news of Emmanuel. God is with us. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of death, Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus experienced suffering, pain, and death when he came to this world. And in doing so, he reminds us that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He also experienced a second set of circumstances, which it's often helpful to know that Emmanuel, God is with us. And that is when we face temptation in our lives. Jesus also faced temptation. Temptation isn't something that we often talk about or think about. And sometimes our, our culture even tries to eliminate temptation by basically arguing that anything that we have a natural draw to is, is okay and, and is just part of who we are. But you see, God has established a series of rights and wrongs in Scripture. And there are times when we see the appeal of engaging in something that is sinful or goes against God's plan. And that attraction to do what is wrong, that's what we call temptation. Even Jesus wasn't immune to the allure of temptation. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, just prior to the start of Jesus' public ministry, 
we read that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was confronted with three distinct ways to get what felt attractive, what seemed like the right thing to do, but which required him to disobey the clear commands and directions of the Father. The temptations to turn stones into bread, to use his control of angels for personal protection, and to receive the glory that was rightfully due to him, but not in the right way. Those were very real temptations to Jesus. Opportunity existed for him to walk away from his role as the Messiah. Jesus was genuinely tempted. But in the face of that temptation, in the face of the devil twisting the words of God to make them seem so appealing, Jesus responded with the truth of Scripture and responded in obedience to the Father. It's sometimes easy for us to gloss over these verses, to limit the reality of Jesus' temptation. But the reality of his temptation, the draw and the allure of those things that were around him, were very, very real. Not unlike the allure and the attraction of temptations that are in our lives and in our world as well. And because Jesus experienced the real temptations of this world, he also understands the very real temptations that we face. He knows that there can be a strong appeal to give in to the attractions that are all around us, our own personal desires and things that we know go against the plan and the will and the purpose of God. Jesus understands how difficult that can be. And Emmanuel, God with us, means that God is present with us in the midst of facing those temptations. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are given the ability to, to stand and to, gu- and to be guided through those circumstances and through the temptations of life. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul describes the temptations he was looking back to ancient Israel, and he describes some of the temptations that those in ancient Israel faced. He said those, those temptations included things like idol worship, sexual immorality, testing God, and complaining. To our ears, those seem like four wildly different kinds of things, but they were all real temptations to the people in ancient Israel. And to that list, to responding to that list, Paul added this. He said, so if you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Those verses are sometimes taken out of context and used to say that God will never give you anything more than you can handle. That's not quite what he's talking about here. He's, he's actually talking specifically in the realm of temptation, of those sins that are, that are coming toward us that are, that are tempting, that are attractive to us, but which God has called us to refrain. And it's, Paul is specifically saying that in the midst of facing those temptations, when we sometimes feel that we can't withstand the temptations that come our way, We're reminded that God, Emmanuel, is with us in the midst of those temptations. God is with us to, to give us guidance, to give us help, to give us a means of saying no to that which is tempting in front of us. God's presence, God's power are available to guide us through those situations. Does that mean we're going to live a perfect, sinless life? No, far from it. More often than we would like to admit, we turn against that guidance from God. We choose to disobey. The point of this passage is that we are not fated to do that. God is with us even during those tempting situations. Do we take advantage of that? Do we recognize 
Emmanuel, God is with us even in the face of temptation. It's important for us to recognize that God is with us. When we recognize and we experience those difficult days, those days of suffering and pain and death, we can't face those things in our own strength. And it's important to recognize that God is with us when we face temptation. We can overcome temptation, but only in the strength and the power and the help of God. But you know, there's, there's one more set of circumstances that maybe even as important or as critical as those first two, that we are called to recognize the, the presence of God. You know when that is? Every day of your life. Every single day of our lives, God is with us. Those, those tough days, they, they force us. You know, when we come to the end of our rope and we're facing those circumstances of pain and suffering and death, we know we have nowhere else to turn but to God. And it's really, really critical that we experience God with us in those times. And when we're facing the temptations of life, when we come to the end of our own ability, it can be, you know, we, we often have nowhere else to turn. But it's in those ordinary days, those days when we're going to the store, when we're going to work, when we're going to school, when we're doing the ordinary tasks of life, we also are reminded that God is with us there as well. You know, it's easy for us to read the accounts that are of Jesus' life in Scripture and to really kind of gloss over the fact that we really get a lot of the highlights there, don't we? It's in some ways like looking at someone's Facebook page. You see the, you see the highlights. You see the big picture stuff. But if you go through those passages in the Gospels and you think of how much time elapsed, it's far, far short of 33 years, right? Far, far short. There were many, many other days where Jesus was a child learning with his friends, going to school, doing the things that normal Jewish boys of his day would have been doing. There were many ordinary days where Jesus was helping his dad in the carpenter shop, doing the work that needed to be done, getting the tasks accomplished. There were many, many days where he was going about the ordinary activities of daily life. They were there. And because of that, Jesus understands when we experience the ordinary days, the every day, the days that when you look back over the last month, the last six months, it's like, I don't know where they went to, but we just kind of glossed over them. They, they were here and they, were, they went. Do we recognize Jesus in the ordinary days of our life? What difference does God with us make to your shopping, to your exercise, to your time with your family, to all these other ordinary activities. But the God who is with us is interested in all of those things and desires to be a part of all of those things. And so this morning, I want to just encourage you. There are the lists of ways that we can recognize God with us in the ordinary aspects of life is, is almost endless. Part of the way that we do this by coming together on Sunday is a way to, to recognize the resurrection of Jesus, but also to recognize that God is with us every day of our lives. Do you, do you see that when you come to worship on Sundays? Something else that many of us do is say a prayer before we have a meal. That's another way of bringing God into the ordinary activities of our life. Or maybe you have a little token of some, some sort that's in your pocket or that sits in your car or on your mirror. It just reminds you of God's presence in your life. It's impossible for us to be 100% of the time thinking about the presence of Jesus, thinking about the presence of God, thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit. But God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Words we say at Christmas, do they penetrate every day of our lives? 
Do we recognize God's presence in the midst of suffering, pain, and death? Do we recognize God's presence in the face of temptation? Do we recognize God's presence in the mundane, everyday life? Emmanuel, God is with us. Have you invited him into yours? Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful today for your presence, for the fact that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We are grateful for your love, your care, and your presence. May you help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and to recognize your hand at work in those difficult days and in those ordinary days. For you love us, you care for us, and you are with us this day. And we're grateful. Amen. Amen.